0: got something on my brain i need you to do me a favor stop using the term soft skills just stop it i'll tell you why the views and opinions expressed on for our edification do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the hosts guests or any entities with which we are affiliated so check it out I, I, i just gotta get something off my brain right now um I was at, um, a workplace development forum. It was done by an economic development organization. Lots of people in a room from, uh, healthcare because it was really mostly about healthcare, also people from higher ed. And so we're all taking copious notes, listening to, um, you know, some really cool information about what's needed to fill the healthcare pipeline here in Louisiana and, um, Uh, that term came up, soft skills, soft skills came up. I hate that term so much that in 2014, I wrote a piece called, get ready for this, why I hate the term soft skills. So here's my thing, okay? Years and years ago, I was doing a talk at a university and it was a talk about um, what students need to be successful in their careers. After the talk, uh, this dude walks up to me and he is... Saying hey you know that was really good talking there some really good information there but uh you know you know technical skills I, I'm a business owner and, and tech, technical skills that's what I look for all the time but uh you know things like communication and and, and teamwork you know that's fluff that, that those are soft skills I, I don't care about that stuff so I thought a few things uh, when he told me this first the first thing I thought was it must suck working for you. That's the first thing. The second thing, who in the world hired you to teach anybody? But the third thing I thought was, does this man actually think that soft skills means the absence of hard work? That's part of what I wrote in that piece uh, on LinkedIn in 2014. Because I, I, I think some people, I think some people have taken the word soft And they've done something with it that that wasn't meant to be done. As a matter of fact, do you even know the origin of the term soft skills? This was an education for me. Um, So, you know, in preparing for this commentary, I was just really wondering where the term even came from. And as it turns out, uh, I was uh, checking out this piece in Medium. It was written in uh, 2021 and that piece traces the term "soft skills back to the late 1960s early 1970s in the army believe it or not and the idea at the time was that you have these soldiers who mostly handle hard equipment right but then on the other side the other skills that they use are soft soft to the touch and so um and 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 I I have an explanation for that or at least something that I read as an explanation for that coming up uh, uh, in a little bit. But um, the thing that was so ironic about it is that what the army was doing at the time is they were observing the success of their units. And they noticed uh, that the units that were led a certain way with people skills, which is a term I prefer, were the units that seemed to be doing better. So it was determined back then that these people skills are critical for success. Ironically, at some point, though, as I said a a couple of minutes ago, the term soft became problematic, right? So let's take a look at at my world of, of, of marketing, communications, mass media. Everything that I have done in my career has been based a lot on dealing with people i mean mass media you are constantly spreading messages to people and and people are responding to those messages um in in pr and communications um and also in marketing even though marketing is more of a business function um there's this part of marketing where you have to communicate your value proposition and and you have to communicate the value of the product and and your positioning and all of this good stuff you communicate with people you're going to get something back so what you have to learn how to do is you have to learn how to deal with people okay let's let's put a pin in that There was another piece I ran across from 2020 from the National Career Development Association, um, and it was written by Anne Villiers. And I don't know if that's how she pronounces her last name or Villiers, but she wrote why we should stop using the term soft skills. You see a pattern here with these titles. Um, And one of the arguments that she made is that soft is a gender biased term. So you can see how if you have somebody who is doing a job that deals a lot with people, or I don't know, social work, um, um, uh, the arts, you know, when, when you when you have these jobs that deal out with people and someone from a very technical job comes along and says, Well, you know, you have the soft skills necessary to deal with that situation. The way I hear that is something that's being minimized. And what that does to me is it it makes me wonder if people are questioning the value of my identity as someone in this particular field. Because I've said this many times before, I said this on a previous episode and in a conversation with Joel, that in in marketing communications, a lot of people treat you like you are the arts and crafts shop. There's nothing wrong with arts and crafts, obviously, but the problem is, is that when you have soft skills correlated with lack of rigor, or as I wrote in that piece in 2014, the absence of hard work, you feel judged right I mean that that's really what it comes down to so so let's move forward now, what? what do we do? So, I got some suggestions for you, right? So the first one is this: stop using the term soft skills um my preference is people skills um and Viiers uh in in her piece, um <laughs> I put the two pronunciations together. you heard that um in her piece, her suggestion was uh the term social skills, which is very cool as well. Um, But the second thing is tie people skills directly into leadership skills as a critical element of leadership skills. So three things to keep in mind here. All right. Three considerations I want you to make when it comes down to leadership. All right. And and just hang with me for a second here. The first one is this Um, leadership has changed over the course of time. It has changed a lot. A lot of people don't really realize this. You don't necessarily. Think about this, um, um, you know, intentionally a lot of times, unless you are somehow studying leadership or constantly observing leadership, which a lot of us do. But let's put this, let's put this into words. Let's give this a language. I have two textbooks uh, from my graduate program that I, I really love. Uh, the first one is Gail Avery's Understanding Leadership. The other one is Leadership Theory, Application, and Skill Development by Robert Lucier and Christopher Achua. Avery took a look at how the paradigm of leadership has changed over time as she marked four paradigms of leadership. So the first one is classical. Classical leadership focuses almost solely on the leader. The follower basically doesn't have a whole lot of power. The command and control is with the person in charge. Think monarchies, right? You had this classical leader paradigm through the 70s, antiquity through the 70s. So there you go with the army in the late 60s um, making this amazing discovery that that some of the troops who did really well were the ones who were led a certain way. The next paradigm uh, that Avery labeled uh, was transactional. The leader gives up a little bit of power. Um, the followers, they do provide some consultation. The leader allows that, but the leader still gets the final say. And she had that one the 70s through about the mid 80s. And then the mid 80s through 2000 visionary leadership and so with the visionary leadership paradigm something that we're mostly familiar with obviously followers have a lot more say they have some buy-in um the leader is more collaborative in this case but the leader is still the key player right and so this is when we talk about leaders who you know they give a vision but what it is is that they have this in group that they have who will help carry out the vision and the leader is still the main figurehead let's enter the millennium the new millennium 2000 through right now avery um has discovered or at least she has uh developed this idea of an organic paradigm of leadership this one i imagine is hard probably for baby boomers gen xers like me and maybe even some millennials to really really buy into because with this one this is going to sound strange but there is no leader and with this one uh there's mutual decision making uh the leader the leadership responsibility is really distributed among people so you either don't have leaders or you have many leaders in the pack and so what i think happened here as far as this this change in leadership uh over the course of time is that it has all been a byproduct of diversity and how much more diversity has been recognized in communities and in organizations if you're going to lead in a diverse diverse environment that takes an incredible level of people skills so thanks for hanging with me with that first point okay here's the second point the second consideration I want you to make about tying people's skills directly into leadership is um, a leadership theory called the leader-member exchange theory. Now, this actually is something that uh, I really like reading about uh, from the Lucier uh, Achua text. And so this focuses on the quality of exchange relationships between leaders and followers. So when you have these high-quality exchanges, what that means is uh, you have trust, and there is this element of likability between the leaders and the followers, right? But then you have these low-quality exchanges, and the low-quality exchanges are basically people saying, "You know what? I'm going to do what I'm obligated to do, and that's it. I'm only going to do what the contract requires that I do," and and then that's it. That's it. They, there's no. They, they may not trust you. They may not even like you. They're just going to do what they got to do. What that means, though, is that the followers play a pretty distinct role as well. And so you have this element called followership and there are these different types of followers and they behave based on also based on the quality of the exchanges that they have with uh, the leader. So looking at this theory alone looking at the fact that you even have this and other leadership theories that are called contingencies, theories, contingency theories, meaning that the leadership is contingent on what happens with followers. Then yes, then again, we have this element of people that is very heavy when it comes to leadership. Okay. Final consideration. The final consideration is um, we, we have to take a look at how effective leadership is even described today so i I took a look at about 15 different articles and commentaries about what it takes to be an effective leader i listed about 30 qualities that i noticed that were talked about among all of these pieces about a third of those qualities were qualities that were tied to people skills but even though it was just about a third You want to know which two qualities stood out the most? The two qualities that stood out the most that seemed to get mentioned the most. Number one, communication. Right. The second one, though, was something along the lines of motivation, inspiration, positivity. So here's the point. At at the end of the day, leadership is about people. You can't lead without people. It's not like you're going to lead rocks or something. or you could try. But it's going to be pretty hard because rocks are hard to talk to. So it does follow that these skills that are so essential for leadership are people oriented skills. And you know what? I say this all the time. Don't don't we say this all the time when um, whenever we're talking about business, people like to say, well, the most important hu- resource is the, the human resource. Well, if that's the case, then, yeah, yeah, I would think people skills would be the absolute way to go. And if you tie it in the leadership skills, then, yes, I think we're having a much, much different conversation about these essential skills, not only when it comes to leadership, but when it comes to moving organizations and communities forward. So. Thanks for bearing with me. That was on my brain. Um, uh, you, you, you're great. Uh, check is in the mail for the therapy session. Uh, so check out the four-hour edification page at EddieFrancis.com. Keep your eyes peeled for part two of my interview with Joel Goodman. Uh, that is going to be episode 26. All right. Follow the podcast. Uh, share it with friends. Shoot me some feedback. Would love to hear your feedback. Also, I would absolutely love it if you subscribe to the YouTube channel I don't I don't know what kinds of tips I got for you, but just go ahead, subscribe to the channel, alright? That would be greatly appreciated. For Dr. Halim Malik Francis, I'm Eddie Francis. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of for our edification.